Oh my goodness. Good morning, good afternoon, whatever it is for you. I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports, episode 289. I was hoping to do 289 and 290 before the week is over. I don't think that's going to happen. In fact, uh, some of the film analysis stuff I've been working on, there's two quarterbacks, uh, Carson Wentz and Dwayne Haskins, I want to dive into. I'm going to put do them later down the road, put them on the back burner. I've been watching film, preparing stuff. I'm just behind, doing the best I can. Uh, really short episode today, but really fun episode. And we're going to talk a lot about the New York Jets. I know that people are probably like, dude, you talk about the Jets every single episode. Part of that is because I think they're really interesting. I think they're really fascinating uh, they really have my attention. That's a weird situation going on in New York. Also, they keep playing, you know, they played a primetime game. So they're back in the conversation again. They're worth talking about. I want to start today by talking about this. I want to read something the NFL just released. Uh, I waited and waited and waited and waited to talk about this story until there was some kind of resolution, until we had some kind of idea where it was heading. Uh, but the story I haven't talked about yet all week has been that the the Tennessee Titans had a bunch of employees and players test positive for COVID. Here is the result of what came to be from that. Uh, the Steelers-Titans have game of... Uh, wow, I gotta slow down. I'm reading something the NFL released. They said this. So the Steelers-Titans game has been rescheduled for week 7. That's October 25th. The Steelers-Ravens game has been rescheduled for week 8, November 1st. Now, the, what the NFL released is this. The Pittsburgh Steelers at Tennessee Titans game originally scheduled for week four on Sunday, October 4, has been rescheduled for week seven on Sunday, October 25th, 1 p.m. on CBS. The Pittsburgh Steelers-Baltimore Ravens game will move from week seven to week eight on Sunday, November 1st. And the Steelers and Titans will each now have a week four bye. And the Ravens bye, originally set for week eight, will now be in week seven. So when I heard that, the Tennessee Titans had gotten COVID. I went, oh, crap. It's going to screw everything up. I was like, I don't know how. You can't move the game to the end of the year because that's when the playoffs happen. What's going to – and then how do you see the playoffs without knowing what – because the Steelers, I think, are a playoff team. Maybe Tennessee as well. You got to know their record. Like, you can't not have that game happen before you do the NFL playoffs. So I was very concerned privately. Like, what's going to happen here? Honestly, I think the NFL came up with a pretty clean – and tidy solution to solve everything. I was worried, man. I thought it was going to throw the whole schedule out of whack. And uh, I hope more games are not affected in the future moving forward. But all things considered, really, really good solution by the NFL. Move one thing here, one thing there, bam. Nobody skips a beat. Nobody misses anything. I feel bad for the Steelers because they did nothing wrong. And their bye week got moved way up to early in the year. Uh, me- meaning that like week 14, 15, 16, 17... Their bodies are going to feel it a lot. They are going to be, that's a lot of games in a row. I feel bad for the Steelers, but uh, I think all things considered, it's a weird year. COVID's going on. Really good solution by the NFL there to figure that out and have a pretty low-impact way to solve that problem. Now, water first. They have this pink mug today. And I think it kind of works with the shirt in the background. It stands out. It doesn't look too terrible, in my opinion. Purple straw, pink mug thing. Um, on Thursday Night Football, the Denver Broncos beat the New York Jets 37-28. to 
<sighs> and uh, I got a lot to say. It's painful to watch the Jets. I, for whatever reason, I'm, I'm crazy apparently. I have watched every single New York Jets game of the year, all four games. And and by the way, I have watched, you know, we're three weeks into the NFL year. Week four starts this weekend. Uh, I've watched every team play at least twice. Most teams have watched every single game they've played. I didn't watch the Washington game last week. I haven't watched the Bengals and Eagles game. There's like another game I'm trying to, I can't remember. There's one other game I haven't watched. I've missed like three games all year. I've watched almost every single NFL game this year. And... um my takeaway from watching the Jets is that they are by far easily and by a lot, they are the worst team in the NFL. It's terrible. It's embarrassing. It's awful. Uh, their defense is terrible. They can't cover anything. They can't tackle. Uh, you know, for context, they gave up 37 points to a third string quarterback, Brett Rippon. By the way, their starting quarterback, Sam Darnold, uh, is hurt. He may miss the next game. It's not good. Again, they got torched, shredded by an undrafted third-string quarterback on Thursday Night Football. For more context, by the way, the Broncos' starting quarterback, Drew Locke, was out. He's injured. The Broncos' top receiver, Cortland Sutton, tore his ACL. He didn't play, obviously. Receiver KJ Hamler, out. Tight end Noah Fant got hurt during the game. Running back Phillip Lindsey, out with an injury. They have two linemen they were out missing. So the Broncos' offense had seven players not playing in that game or at least missing significant time. And yet the Broncos still put up 37 points on the New York Jets. It's embarrassing, man. Uh, and again, I realized that all my content recently, it seems I feel like I've made a lot of content about the Jets recently. Uh, part of that, number one, I find the Jets really, really interesting and fascinating. Number two, they just played a big primetime game. They're in the conversation. I think they're worth talking about. I have a lot to say about them. Uh, there was a play where Brett Rippon, the quarterback for Denver, Launched a ball down the right sideline, underthrew it a little bit, and Broncos receiver Jerry Judy just stole it away from the defender. Jets corner Pierre Desir got embarrassed. Where got I mean that on during the game they're like he got mossed. They just stole the ball from him. Bad coverage, bad technique, over and over and over again. I go, how is that guy wide open down the sideline? How is it that Brett Rippon missed the throw vertically where the guy was wide open? I'm like, dude. How are the Jets this bad on defense? Now, a big positive from this game, if you're a Bronco fan, is that I think Denver found their offensive coordinator. Pat Shermer is a bad head coach, did not work with the Giants. He's a good coordinator. And you can be a good offensive coordinator, and then as you get promoted, be a bad head coach. It's a Peter principle. Makes total sense to me. Uh, look up the Peter principle. It's interesting that people just get promoted till they are no longer, I guess the best way to put it is they're, they get promoted until they're in a job they're not competent doing. I think Pat Shermer maxes out as a great offensive coordinator. That's it. Not a head coach, but a good coordinator. And it's too bad the Broncos are all injured, man. I really, I feel good about their future. Good offensive coordinator. A ton of weapons around their young quarterback, Drew Locke. Although I will say next week, the Patriots and the Broncos play each other. If Brett Rippon is the starting quarterback for the Denver Broncos next week, Ooh, boy. Brett Rippon might get embarrassed by Bill Belichick and his defensive schemes. Uh, that could be a nightmare and a mess. But regardless, um, I will say also watching the Broncos receiver, Tim Patrick, do so well was really, really cool. He's an undrafted player in his third year. He had six catches, 113 yards, one touchdown. Now, it's kind of crazy, by the way. Apparently, after this game, the Jets looked at what happened on 
Thursday. And the reports are that they have doubled down on Adam Gase as their head coach, and they're not going to replace him. They're going to leave him as their head coach all year. Now, maybe the conspiracy is, well, the Jets are terrible, and they want to stay terrible and get Trevor Lawrence, maybe, or whatever. They want a high draft pick. They're like, well, we're going to lose a lot of games with Adam Gase as our head coach, and maybe that's it. Um, I, I don't know. I, I do not see how Adam Gase could still have his job next year, but you never know. It's the New York Jets. They are horribly run. Now, the Jets are coming to a fork in the road. One of the most interesting upcoming NFL stories is what are the Jets going to do with Sam Darnold moving forward? I don't know. It's possible the Jets are so bad that they will be in a position to potentially draft the quarterback out of Clemson, Trevor Lawrence, a generational talent by many accounts. He's really, really good at quarterback. Will the Jets keep Sam Darnold or will they replace him? I don't know. I want to come back to that. First, I got to say that it was kind of cool to watch Brett Rippon play against Sam Darnold on Thursday Night Football. Those are two guys who were there in my graduating class in high school, uh, both on the West Coast. You know, Brett Rippon is from Spokane, Washington, and, you know, Sam Darnold from San Clemente, California. We went to a lot of camps together in high school. Uh, it's cool to see both of them play. Now, Brett Rippon had a couple bad plays, uh, but I actually thought he played really, really well. Yeah, three interceptions. Uh, three bad balls, bad throws, but also Brett Rippon had some really good throws down the sideline. I went, Ooh, that's a nice ball. I mean, there's multiple throws like on third down, even third and eight, their throws were like, he had some great balls down the sideline to Tim Patrick perfectly in stride. Uh, he had that touchdown. Brett Rippon did, uh, accurate, really good timing, really good anticipation to Tim Patrick on the in-breaking route. I went, that's a great ball. No, Sam Darnold's best moment was a 46-yard touchdown run. You know, this crazy run up the middle. Uh, but throwing the ball, you know, I, I, I kept waiting and waiting. When is Sam going to make a splash throwing the ball? Now, in contrast, again, Brett made multiple throws down both sidelines, had that great touchdown to Tim Patrick. Uh, again, Brett threw some really good throws. And I, as I look back on Thursday, right, wrong, or indifferent, the most impressive guy throwing the football, at least for long stretches of the game, or Brett Rippon. And that's weird, but you had an undrafted, you know, free agent quarterback and the number three overall pick. And if you didn't know better, you'd say, if you had an alien come sit and watch the game with you, you'd say, who is the high draft pick? Who is the one that people, like my girlfriend, for example, has no idea. So if I said, hey, Liz, who, who is the guy that was picked number three overall? Who is the guy the NFL didn't want? You wouldn't know. She couldn't tell me Sam Darnold or Brett Rippon because from an outsider's perspective, you could say, hey, you know, Brett looks really good and Sam looks really average. I think it's pretty obvious that I like Sam Darnold. I root for Sam Darnold. I want to see Sam Darnold succeed in the NFL. And again, I have to admit, for long stretches of the game last night, I guess Thursday night now, Brett was a better quarterback. And Sam Darnold is disappointing me. Where... I want to blame the coach. I want to blame Adam Gase. It's so great. If it could be Adam Gase's fault, I'd be so happy. And you know what? It makes sense because right away, you know, Ryan Tannehill got away from Adam Gase, and it seems like Ryan Tannehill got better. So, okay, well, in that situation, the problem was Adam Gase. Now, for a long time, I thought, I thought Ryan Tannehill was the problem. In fact, it was Adam Gase. And Sam is in a bad situation where Sam has a bad offensive line, bad receiver. He's just thrown to a guy named Jeff Smith I'd never heard of. I'm like, who's Jeff Smith? Who? What? Sam Darnold's throwing to who? 
So Sam's talent is obvious. He makes plays where you go, wow, that's a huge run. That's a great ball on the run. That's a great ball on the run again against the 49ers. He's got throws where you go, wow, that's a good throw by Sam Darnold. And it's hard not to feel like Sam Darnold is just being led in the wrong direction. That's a coaching problem. But I'm even starting to doubt myself. I'm starting to wonder, like, am I becoming a Sam Darnold apologist? I have no idea. I hope not. But Sam, Sam is very, very talented. Also, he's not playing very well. There was that play where Sam took that big hit on the shoulder. I think it's what got him injured. Lawrence Kayser was wide open. Running across the middle of the field, Sam Darnold did not throw him the ball. That's a weird mistake. I have no idea why the ball wasn't thrown to him, but Sam held onto the ball way too long and got killed. That's a ball you got to throw. Or third and four for the Jets, uh, Sam threw a wheel route to Frank Gore down the right sideline, incomplete. Like, nowhere near Frank Gore. By the way, Chris Hogan was wide open underneath. Again, don't know why Chris Hogan doesn't have the ball. That's a first down. Instead, the Jets had to settle for a field goal. Later, on another third and four, Sam holds onto the ball too long, literally takes himself out. He sacks himself. They lose 13 yards, makes the field goal harder. Got very lucky that they made a 54-yard field goal. That's not good. Third and three, Sam throws an out route. Doesn't see a defender hanging, sitting, waiting for the ball. Should have been a pick six. The defender for the Broncos dropped it. That should have been a pick six. Later, fourth and four, Sam Darnold has a man wide open. Should be an easy completion, and guess what? Sam missed the throw high. Incomplete. Way over the guy's head. That's not good. A lot of bad plays from Sam Darnold where... I go, whose fault is it and all that? Coaching isn't throwing the ball. Adam Gase, for all his problems, Adam Gase is not the one throwing inaccurate passes. That's on Sam Darnold. Uh, Decision-making, we can go back and forth on. Maybe it's preparation. Maybe it's a coach. Who knows? It's hard to tell if you're not in the room. But, man, you can argue that Sam, yes, is not being put in a position to succeed for sure. I would love to see Sam Darnold on a good team with a good coach and good receivers around him. I mean... If nothing else, it'd be easier to evaluate whether or not Sam Darnold is a good quarterback if he had some talent around him, for sure. But the reality is that you can make a good argument in favor of replacing Sam Darnold. And that's telling. If you can make a good argument in favor of replacing somebody, that's a problem. Now, an added benefit, I guess, if you replace Sam Darnold is that likely— I'm saying Sam Darnold a lot. I apologize. I think people hate when I do that, when I say the name over and over again. Uh, likely you're going to have a new head coach in New York with the Jets. That guy is going to want to pick his own quarterback because his career depends on his decision and who his quarterback is. Maybe that guy wants Trevor Lawrence. And if they draft Trevor Lawrence or somebody else, Justin Fields or the guy at North Dakota State, Trey Lance, or who knows anybody else, The Jets have a new, young, exciting rookie quarterback, a young star. Excitement, again, maybe New York. So the question is, is Sam Darnold part of the problem, or is he a victim of the situation around him? I don't know. I don't have the answer there. And I will say, another thing that's very telling about Sam Darnold, though, is that if the Jets got rid of him, I'd love to see where he goes. It'd be fun to see where he ends up, and that's also telling. Because there is talent there. He's never been on a good team. He's never been 
in a good situation to win. What could he do with Sean Payton in New Orleans with the Saints? Maybe Bill Belichick or maybe Carolina Panthers. Maybe Matt Rule from the Carolina Panthers brings him in, work with Joe Brady, sit behind Teddy Bridgewater. That's interesting. That'd be fun. But right now, I have no idea what the Jets are going to do. I, I don't know. I'll know more by the end of the year. I'll know what I would do at least. Uh, but also the Jets don't care about my opinion. So I can, I can tell you what I would do. I, I'll never know what the Jets are going to do because they're just dysfunctional and a mess. I don't know there. But are the Jets going to keep Sam Darnold or replace him? I don't know. Time will tell. But I am so, so curious to see what happens. All right, uh, NBA Finals Game 2 just happened. The Lakers beat the Miami Heat 124-114 to uh, tonight, Friday night. Miami hung around in the game. Uh, it, they, they hung around and hung around and hung around. They never made a move to take the lead or anything like that. Uh, and it really wasn't all that interesting of a game. I watched it all. Uh, I don't know why I did. But I did. Um, I'm, I'm sad about the series, honestly. I was texting my friends. All my friends are... Gigantic NBA friends. Some of my friends played college basketball. They love it. They're huge fans. And I texted them, hey, I was like, hey, what'd you think of game two of the NBA Finals? They said, I didn't watch it. I'm like, what do you mean you didn't watch it? You're a huge basketball fan. They're like, yeah, it wasn't interesting to me. I'm like, oh, that's not good. That's telling. I mean, Miami was missing uh, Goran Dragic. They were missing Bam Adebayo. Both were hurt. They did not play. People don't look at this series as an interesting competitive series at all. It's so bad for Miami. I mean, Myers Leonard was in the starting lineup for Miami in the NBA Finals. I watched him play a lot in Portland. He's a nice guy. If he's in your starting lineup in the NBA Finals, you're in trouble. And the Lakers didn't even play that great, but it's just they're so physically dominating over Miami that, I mean, the question really is becoming, is Miami going to get swept? Can the Miami Heat win any game? Can they win one game? And the NBA Finals, I mean, that's it's becoming that, where I'm like, it's disappointing. It's a, not a good way to end the NBA season. If you're like, hey, can, can this not be a four-game series? Will it be a five-game series at the minimum? I don't know. I, I think that the Lakers look really, really good. They're not traveling. They don't. There's a home field advantage or anything like that. They're playing in an arena in Orlando, and uh, it's not good, man. It's just a not, not fun. It's, it's good for LeBron. It's good for the Lakers. Good for Laker fans, too. But if you wanted competitive, interesting basketball, the NBA Finals are not the place to find that, unfortunately. All right, I'm going to take a short break. Uh, my throat is just bad, dude. I don't know. I, I'm i taking a day off tomorrow. No talking tomorrow, really. Have some throat coat tea and relax. Um, after the break, we're going to talk about week four, do an NFL preview. And we'll end the show with Ask Zach. Guys, my name is Zach Schaumler. Thank you so much. I will be right back. All right, we are back. Hope you're doing well. I want to jump in and talk about the NFL. We have reached week four of the NFL season. There are 14 games left to be played this weekend. First of all, we had on Thursday Night Football, the Jets lost to the Denver Broncos. The Steelers and the Titans had to have a... They got forced into an early bye week because of COVID. You know, the Titans got COVID and that threw a couple things out of whack for the Steelers. Now, honestly, one of the mo- one of the for me one of the games I'm most excited about this week is the Jaguars at the Bengals in Cincinnati. 
two below average teams, but two really interesting quarterbacks. Gardner Minshew against Joe Burrow, number one overall pick against a late, I believe, sixth round. Six, I think Gardner Minshew was a sixth round pick, maybe fifth. I get it confused all the time, one or the other. A guy the NFL didn't want against the guy the NFL really, really wanted. It'll be interesting to watch them duke it out. Um, and I think it's going to be just kind of a a fun, good time. If you want to watch a good, fun game, I hope and believe that Jaguars-Bengals is going to be a good time this weekend. Now, the Vikings play the Texans. Both teams are 0-3. I like the Texans to win. They got a better quarterback to Sean Watson. Now, watch for the Vikings rookie receiver, Justin Jefferson. He looked a lot. He, made, he kind of popped last week in week three. And uh, I'm excited to watch him. Which team can avoid going 0-4, the Vikings or the Texans? Now, the Ravens play Washington this week. I believe the Ravens are going to win. But the interesting part of this game is, in fact, the Washington football team quarterback, Dwayne Haskins. His job is in danger. He even had a meeting with the coaches where they said, hey, dude, you got to play better. You need to step it up. We don't want to replace you. We like you. We drafted you with a high pick, but he's been a mess. He's been really struggling. He needs to play better. That's the storyline here. I don't care. I think Washington is going to lose this game, in my opinion. But their quarterback's got to play well enough to keep his job. That's what's going to be really interesting about the Ravens and Washington this weekend. Now, the Rams should beat the Giants. The Rams quarterback, Jared Goff, is playing really, really well. The Rams are a better team, top to bottom, better coaching, better defense, quarterback, offensive line, offense in general, everything. The Rams are a lot better than the Giants, just period, flat out. I am curious to watch the Giants' young quarterback, Daniel Jones, but the Rams should win this game pretty easily and by a lot. The Cardinals play the Panthers, and uh, I am looking for... Cardinals quarterback Kyler Murray to bounce back after a bad week last week. The Panthers have a ton of rookies on defense. They're young. They're rebuilding. But the Panthers are solid. They're interesting. They're well coached. And the Cardinals got to take care of business to win this weekend. I think they should. I picked the Cardinals to win this game. The Saints travel to Detroit to play the Lions. Now, this feels like a crossroads for the Saints quarterback, Drew Brees. I worry about this game. Because Detroit's going to win if you give them opportunities. The Saints are 1-2. and two. Drew Brees has really been struggling throwing the ball downfield. They're not going to have their best receiver, Michael Thomas, playing in this game again. He's still out. For, uh, out gun. He's injured and in he's been out last couple weeks. It's ongoing. Keep your eye on this game. This could be an upset where the Lions could find a way to beat the Saints. I'm worried a lot about the Saints if they don't win this game. They'd be 1-3. If they don't win, that's really, really bad for New Orleans. Now, the next game on the list I want to talk about, probably the best game of the weekend, the Patriots play the Kansas City Chiefs. And uh, I expect Kansas City to win this game. Bill Belichick is famous for putting out kind of a vanilla scheme in a game like this where he understands, Bill Belichick realizes we're likely going to play a team like Kansas City later in the year in the playoffs in January. And Bill Belichick would not want to tip his hand to what his plan might be when he really actually wants to beat Patrick Mahomes and Kansas City. But I will say the Patriots might also realize, hey, Buffalo in our division is really good. Every game matters. We need to win this game. And if the Patriots go all out, what I would want to watch for, and I think 
it's more likely the Patriots try to win and give everything they have. It's just a possibility they go vanilla and say, we'll save what we really have up our sleeve for January in the playoffs. But what Bill Belichick does on defense, he loves to make your offense uncomfortable. He takes away the thing you do best. What I'm curious about is what does Bill Belichick look at with the Chiefs and go, this is the best part of their offense we need to take away. I don't know what he's going to look at. It could be the running back Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. It could be Patrick Mahomes' ability to extend plays and keep plays alive. It could be the Chiefs' green game. It could be maybe a particular receiver. I don't know. I have no idea. But it's really interesting. What does Bill Belichick think is the most valuable, best part of this offense? And can he do anything to stop him? I have no idea. Either way, it'll be Patrick Mahomes against Cam Newton. Should be a lot of fun. Uh, Chiefs, Patriots, that's a game you should watch. Now, the Bills travel to Las Vegas to play the Raiders. I am excited for this one. Should be a good time. The Raiders had a number of missed opportunities last week in New England. Uh, They had a missed field goal. They had a fumble in the red zone. Now, the Raiders really need... Henry Ruggs to come back. He is their explosive young rookie receiver. He's doubtful in this game again. I I hope that Henry Ruggs down the road, whether it's this game or not, when he comes back, I hope it gives the, the Raiders offense a spark they desperately need. Now, I believe the Raiders are going to lose. They're missing Damon Arnett. They have a couple injuries all over the place. But the Raiders are... Better than people give them credit for. Their offensive you know, schematics are really, really good. I really like their game plans. They've been putting out week to week. And I'm hoping, I'm not confident they can, but I'm hoping the Raiders can challenge the Buffalo Bills this weekend. Uh, the Bills do so many things well. Cross your fingers. Hope for a good game in Las Vegas between the Bills and the Raiders. Now the Colts go to Chicago to play the Bears. This is fun because it's two teams that are very, very similar. It's Nick Foles' first official start with the Chicago Bears. Nick Foles is going to play ugly. He'll make mistakes. But unlike Mitchell Trubisky, Nick Foles can actually push the ball downfield. And it'll be an interesting game where you have the Bears and the Colts. Both have good defenses. And both have two erratic quarterbacks that are going to, oh my gosh, they're going to make boneheaded mistakes, but they're also going to make really eye-popping, incredible throws. And you're going to be, Oh my gosh, why would you do that? Oh my gosh, how did you do that? Like, a lot of that kind of stuff with Phillip Rivers and Nick Foles should be a lot of fun. Crazy plays, bad interceptions. I I hope you watch the Bears and the Colts. That could be a really fun, interesting game. The Cowboys host the Browns in Dallas Cowboys Stadium. And uh, the Cowboys have to win, man. If the Cowboys lose to Cleveland, they'll be 1-3. and They cannot afford to lose this game. Cleveland is solid. They run the ball really well. The, the Browns are cleaning things up, as unfortunate of an innuendo that is. Uh, <laughs> it just feels like there's a lot of pressure on Dallas here. And um, I'm curious to watch, can Dallas take care of business and beat a team that they should? And if they don't, I'd be very, very worried about the Cowboys. The Cowboys cannot afford to start 1-3. and three, And uh, the, the Browns are a solid team that could beat them if the Cowboys don't take care of business. Now, the Chargers at the Buccaneers. The Buccaneers should win this game. The Chargers' defense is really, really good. Uh, And it's going to be cool to watch Tom Brady have an interesting challenge against the Chargers' defense. I'm excited to watch this game because partly, look, Tom Brady, 
Chargers defense. That's a fun matchup. I also hope that the Chargers rookie quarterback, Justin Herbert, does really, really well. Uh, Tampa has a tough defense, and he's going to be tested against the Buccaneers. But I hope, I'd love to see him go throw for throw against Tom Brady. That'd be really, really cool. And we will see what happens on Sunday. Now, the Seahawks at the Dolphins. Seattle better win this game. They have to. They should. These are two teams in very, very different places in their growth as a franchise. Miami's young. They are headed in a good direction, but they're rebuilding. They are a team in flux. Seattle is an established top team in the NFL. Seattle needs to win this game. They should. Uh, Miami runs a lot of man coverage on defense. That'll be really, really fun to watch. Russell Wilson against Miami's defense, running a lot of man coverage. I'm excited for that. It's in Miami, uh, but Seattle should win this game soundly. The Eagles and the 49ers in San Francisco, both teams have been hit really hard by injuries. The Eagles have been hit much harder. It's kind of crazy how badly the Eagles are injured. Now, the 49ers quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo, is not going to play this week for the 49ers. They'll be okay because the 49ers have one of the, if not the best, backup in the entire NFL, Nick Mullins. He executes the 49ers offense so, so well. He's a lot better than people realize. And uh, I expect the 49ers to win on Sunday. Now, the wild card, though, in this game is, in fact, the Eagles quarterback, Carson Wentz. What does he do? How does he play? I don't know. I have no idea what to expect from him. He's been awful so far this year, done a lot of stuff. I go, what are you doing, dude? Carson Wentz, what's happening? However, maybe he just turns it on against the 49ers, finally plays well. You never know. He's a total wild card. But he's really, really talented. When Carson Wentz takes care of business, he is phenomenal. So I expect the 49ers to win, but keep your eye on Carson Wentz to see what he does, if anything, on Sunday. Now, on Monday Night Football, we have the Falcons at the Green Bay Packers in Lambeau Field. Uh, I guess in Green Bay at Lambeau Field. The Packers should win this game by a lot, like very, very easily. The Falcons' defense is terrible. The Packers' offense is red hot. They're really, really good. They have talent everywhere. Uh, They are short a couple receivers, but even still, this feels like a huge mismatch between the Packers and the Falcons. And uh, I expect the Packers to win easily. And if they don't, then they did something wrong. If the Packers don't win by a lot, it's on the Packers. They must have done something wrong. Or Aaron Rodgers got hurt or something crazy went down in order for the Falcons to beat the Packers on Monday Night Football. All right, guys, it's time for Ask Zach. It's my favorite part of the show. It's where we answer questions from the audience. In case you don't know how it works, you go to patreon.com forward slash Zach Shomler. You give a dollar a month. You can give more. Please do if you want to. It literally helps pay my rent. Uh, But a dollar a month gives you access to submit questions on Patreon. Now, if you send in a question, I do not guarantee to read it on the podcast. My only guarantee is I guarantee, I do promise, I look at every single question with my eyeballs, and I pick the top couple to read at the end of the show. Now, the first question of the day is from Jack. And uh, let me give me a second. Jack writes in, he says, How much better do you think the Bears will be with Nick Foles at quarterback? A lot of people are talking about the Falcons choking another lead, but they aren't talking about how much better the Bears' offense was with Foles at quarterback. It was night and day. 
The coach is actually a confidence in their quarterback, and the game opened up because of it. Foles has accounted for five of the nine passing plays that were 20-plus yards this year for the Bears, and he only has 25% of the passes. That's a crazy stat. If I was a Bears fan, I would have a lot of hope for the rest of the year and the games to come. Um, Yeah, I guess first of all, yeah, the Bears coaching staff has a lot more confidence in Nick Foles. I mean, they coach with their hands tied when Trubisky's their quarterback. They close their eyes, they hope, they pray, and it usually doesn't go well. Now, Nick Foles has problems. He's not perfect. He makes a lot of dangerous throws, a ton of turnover-worthy plays, but what Nick Foles brings to the Bears offense is that he is explosive. He can create big plays, and you're just not going to see that from Mitchell Trubisky. He can run a little bit, uh, but Trubisky simply did not have the ability to push the ball downfield. And Nick Foles is going to play ugly. He's going to play imperfect, but at least it's going to be fun. And he's going to have moments where you go, Nick Foles, what are you doing, dude? Why would you throw that? That's not open. What's happening? You're going you're gonna to have a moment as a Bears fan when you're going to feel like, what in the world? Why would you do that? But you're also going to have a moment where you go, oh, my gosh, that's a ball that is like, 47 yards into a tiny, tiny window over the shoulder. That's unbelievable. Like, Nick Foles is highly capable. He's also highly problematic. Uh, but he's way better than Mitchell Trubisky, and he's a lot more interesting to watch. And so that is what he brings to the Bears offense. It's not necessarily polish. It's explosiveness and the willingness to pull the trigger downfield that Trubisky simply doesn't have and simply lacks. Now, Brendan writes in, He says, Hi, Zach. I'm a longtime fan and a new patron of the podcast. I have to say I truly enjoy watching your show more than any other sports talk show out there. Thank you so much. Uh, The detail and hard work you go into is much appreciated. So my question for the next Ask Zach would be, as a longtime Panthers fan, I love my team, but I'm a realist, and I know that we are in the middle of a rebuild. In a completely hypothetical situation, if you owned the Carolina Panthers and could do whatever you wanted to rebuild the team— what steps would you take to get them from where they are now to a real contender in the NFC? Thanks for looking at this with your eyeballs, man. Uh, Brandon, thank you so much. Honestly, to this point, I would not do a single thing differently. I really, really like the direction the Carolina Panthers are headed in. Uh, it's a total rebuild. I like their head coach, Matt Rule. They brought in a good guy. Uh, they have a great offensive coordinator, Joe Brady. I really like the Panthers' owner, David Tepper. Seems like the kind of guy I'd want to work for where he gets it. He wants to do things right. Uh, he wants to I, – I just really feel good about him. It's, it's more of a gut thing and the way he talks and the way he interacts with Matt Rule. I think that, man, the Panthers have a solid, good quarterback, Teddy Bridgewater. He's not your long-term solution for the next 5, 10 years, but what Teddy Bridgewater does is gives you stability. He's very safe. He's very smart. He's not explosive. He's not really capable of incredibly physically difficult plays. But what he does do is makes good decisions with the football. I guess the word is safe. I really like Teddy for what he is. He's not your long-term plan, but he's good enough for now until you can get the next guy. He's kind of a, a duct tape quarterback, and I really like him. Now, on defense, the Panthers have a lot of young rookie players. They are obviously in step one of a long-term plan. You know, they like... Step seven or eight is getting to the Super Bowl or the NFC Championship game. But they're doing everything right so far. Now, 
The one thing in my my thoughts about what's going on with the Carolina Panthers, I would love to see Sam Darnold in Carolina. I think that, you know, the, the Jets have his contract still. I mean, they have I think he's on year 3. Uh he it's a 4-year contract with Sam Darnold, so if the Jets decide to move on from Sam Darnold, he's going to get traded away from New York. Now, they're not going to trade him to a team like the New England Patriots. Bill Belichick is not going to get his hands on Sam Darnold because the Jets aren't going to trade him to a team they play twice a year. That's not going to happen. However, Carolina is not in their division, not even in their conference. So, wow, hey, I think Carolina's a great place to trade Sam Darnold to if, in fact, the Jets decide to move on and maybe draft Trevor Lawrence. That is the next step of the plan for the Carolina Panthers. You have Teddy Bridgewater. He's fine. You're looking for a long-term guy who's really physically talented, who you can polish and teach how to play quarterback. That's Sam Darnold. I would love, love, love to see Sam Darnold end up in a Carolina Panthers uniform, learning from Teddy Bridgewater, uh, working with Matt Rule. I believe Teddy Bridgewater even was on the same team once as Sam Darnold in a Jets uniform. So I would absolutely love, and maybe that was right before Sam Darnold got there. I can't remember. But I know this, man. I would love to see Sam Darnold in a Carolina Panthers uniform playing under Matt Rule. That sounds like a really, really good fit. And that's my little bit of insight. That's what I would do long-term if I was a Panthers person running the team. I don't think... Now, it depends if the Jets want to get rid of Sam Darnold or not, but I'd love to see Sam Darnold end up in Carolina. Alex writes in again about Sam Darnold, actually. He says, Hi, Zach. I remember back in 2018 when everybody was debating which of the top five quarterbacks would go number one. Most people presumed Sam Darnold would go number one to the Cleveland Browns, especially after seeing the Haslams, the owners of the Browns, by the way, visiting his workout at USC. Seeing the Haslams chat to his parents, I think that's a moment we all remember. That connection between the Browns and Sam Darnold is undeniable. Say what you want about Baker Mayfield, but he is definitely on the hot seat this year. Let's presume he fails and Cleveland trades him away or cuts him. Do you think there is a possibility that the Jets get the number one pick and draft Trevor Lawrence? That if they do that, that the Browns would then make a move to trade for Darnold? Ownership interference wouldn't be a new thing in Cleveland. It would seemingly be a dream scenario for Sam Darnold and the Browns, who now have a new coaching staff and a general manager that didn't draft Baker. What do you think? So yeah, if in fact the Jets do not want Sam Darnold, I guess, first of all, I cannot wait to see where he goes. I'd like to see that. Um, you know, I'm not sure it's Cleveland. Again, it depends whether or not the Browns stick with Baker Mayfield or not. Uh, I think another part of the problem is that the Jets and the Browns are in the same conference. That means they'd play each other in the playoffs. I don't know that they'd, they'd trade a, a guy they have who think, they think is a solid quarterback, even if they want a better quarterback. I don't know if they'd trade that guy within their conference, the AFC. Maybe, though. Uh, you know, I, I really want, I cannot wait to see where Baker, where, excuse me, where Sam Darnold goes if, in fact, the Jets don't want him. It seems like all he needs is a good situation, and he might do well. We don't know. It's hard to tell with Sam Darnold, but maybe all he needs is a good coach and a good team. He certainly has never had that in New York. Now, I would love to see Sam Darnold teamed up with the New Orleans Saints and Sean Payton, maybe the Steelers, maybe the Vikings. Or the Carolina Panthers, they're an underdog, in my opinion, to get Sam Darnold because they're in a different conference and a different. they're not in the same division. 
and uh, they could trade for Sam Darnold and have a guy, him work with Matt Rule and Joe Brady and Teddy Bridgewater. That'd be amazing for him. I'm not sure how the Jets would allow the Patriots to get a hold of Sam Darnold because the Patriots and Jets hate each other. The Jets hate Bill Belichick. They're not going to allow Bill Belichick to get Sam Darnold ever. But I would love to see Sam Darnold playing for Bill Belichick if that was ever possible. So, uh, yeah, I guess the Browns are a possibility to get Sam Darnold, even though they're not the first option I would think of. Uh, We also do know that the coaching staff in Cleveland, yeah, they did not pick Baker Mayfield. They might want their own quarterback they actually like and believe in if, if in fact, Baker doesn't work out. So, Sam Darnold to the Browns? Maybe. The owner certainly appeared to like him in the draft process, and it seems like the the general manager, uh, Dorsey, is the one who made the decision to not draft Sam and instead get Baker Mayfield, and uh, so far that hasn't appeared to work out. Now the final question of the day comes from John. I need to drink some water before this because it's an interesting one. John writes in, he says, he says, Zach. So John writes in, he says, Zach, I love Strong Opinion Sports and all of your hard work. Thanks for such great content. Thank you, John. He says, watching your glee over the Trubisky nightmare being over was super relatable. <laughs> uh, I was very excited for him initially, but like anyone else with eyes, uh, we have soured on him over the years. I left a comment on the video saying that the Bears fans had been waiting on Cutler, Orton, Grossman, uh, Chase Daniel, etc. to work out. It got me thinking. Who would you say was the last Bears quarterback? Not necessarily great. You know, McMahon might be that guy. But who was the last Bears quarterback who actually added to the team? Why do you think, or do you think that the Bears would have such the, the Bears have such difficulty finding a quarterback to build around? Do the Bears just draft poorly, or is it system, uh, a systemic problem with coaching? What's going on with the Bears? Um. I, how do I put this? I believe the problem with the Chicago Bears, I, uh, maybe this is the best way to put it. I have a conspiracy theory about the Chicago Bears. It's a conspiracy theory. It's, uh, I do believe it though, actually. You know, so I, it's my opinion, even if it's kind of a conspiracy. First of all, I believe that, and this is not a conspiracy. This is just true. I, I don't think the problem with the Bears is with the coaching. It's a level or two higher with management or ownership because that's who decided to stick with Mitchell Trubisky for so long. Ownership and management has made multiple decisions about quarterbacks in Chicago that I go, that's weird. I don't agree with that. I don't like that. Remember, in the NFL draft a couple years ago, it was management and ownership that didn't want Deshaun Watson. Now, something's wrong with you. If you watched the film of, not just the film, but the accomplishments and the way he carried himself. If you watched Deshaun Watson in college and didn't like him, that's your problem. However you're evaluating quarterbacks, it makes no sense to me. Now, whoever's making decisions in Chicago also, they did not want Deshaun Watson. They did not want Teddy Bridgewater. They did not want Cam Newton. They had opportunities to get bring in Cam Newton. They didn't. They had an opportunity to replace Mitchell Trubisky with Teddy Bridgewater. They didn't. And if you, I mean, look, Teddy Bridgewater is a better quarterback every single day of the week compared to Mitchell Trubisky. 
better decision maker, more accurate, throws a better ball, like everything, everything. Maybe, maybe he's not quite as physically gifted as Trubisky. Fair enough on that one. But everything else, Teddy Bridgewater is a better quarterback than Mitchell Trubisky. And so look at it again, the names I just listed, Deshaun Watson, Cam Newton, Teddy Bridgewater, the Bears didn't want any of those guys. And what's the common thread there? I'm not going to say it. I'll let you do the math in your head. What's the common thread there? I'll add to it, my, my conspiracy here. It's a systemic problem. Uh, here are some of the recent Bears quarterbacks. Rex Grossman, Jay Cutler, Mitchell Trubisky, now Nick Foles. Do you see a common thread there? Common thread between the names the Bears didn't want and the names the Bears do want. Management, ownership, something. I think it's ownership, actually. I'm not saying it directly, but ownership appears to have a mess up, messed up standard for how they judge whether or not they want a quarterback. I mean, another story that came out recently where apparently Patrick Mahomes was told by the Bears, we're going to draft you. You're our quarterback. And then they didn't draft him because somebody in that building decided, eh, we don't want Patrick Mahomes. I don't know why. No one knows. doesn't make any sense to me. I will say that, you know, I go, hmm, hmm, hmm. The Bears owner was born in 1923 on the north side of Chicago. Hmm, hmm. I, I don't know. I'm not saying it. I'm not going to say it directly. Um, but I, I, I just, I think that the paradigm for how the Bears decide who their quarterback is is a little bit different than the other 31 teams in the NFL. There's something messed up about the way that they decide who they want as a quarterback. Now, I will say in 2012, they had Jason Campbell on their roster as a backup quarterback behind Jay Cutler. Maybe that's evidence. I'm totally wrong. It's a conspiracy theory for sure. But I, man, that's, I go, huh, 1923. That's when the owner was born from the north side of Chicago. North of Chicago, actually. Dad was rich. Hmm, hmm, hmm. Didn't want Cam Newton. You chose Trubisky over Teddy Bridgewater over Deshaun Watson. Didn't want Patrick Mahomes. Like, the thread is longer. The more I think about it, the more I go, this is a conspiracy theory for sure, but something's weird with how they decide who their quarterbacks are in Chicago. Now, you said who's the best Bears quarterback in a while? Jay Cutler. Jay Cutler's better than people give him credit for. Um, Him and Tony Romo both are two quarterbacks who are better than anyone ever talks about. Uh, I think Tony Romo, man, I, I I mean, Tony Romo went through a lot. But again, whoever's deciding who the Bears quarterbacks are, I think that their worldview and the humans they're choosing to be the quarterbacks of the Bears is a little bit weird. And I, whether, and look, maybe choosing Trubisky over Deshaun Watson, maybe that was truly just a football decision. Maybe Trubisky over Teddy Bridgewater is just a football decision. But then in that case, I say, Whoever's deciding and making, quote, football decisions in Chicago is an idiot if you think Trubisky's better than Teddy Bridgewater. If you think Trubisky was better than Deshaun Watson in college, you're on drugs. I don't agree with you. So something else has to be going on. And I I guess the best way to put it is is I'm not trying to be a hack. I'm not trying to be—I guess I'm being a conspiracy theorist, fair enough, but I— 
either you're an idiot about football or something else is going on. And if something else is going on, it's worth begging the question, why are the quarterbacks you're picking of a certain complexity compared to others? Because I, I don't agree with that. I think it's wrong. I don't like it. But the Bears appear to have some kind of weird decision-making process that the entire world doesn't understand. And my suggestion is, well, look at who their quarterbacks have been. Look at the quarterbacks they haven't chosen and go, hmm, that's weird. That seems messed up. I don't like it. Ownership appears to be making decisions, and the owner was born in 1923, north of Chicago. I'm done talking about this, but I you hear what I'm not saying? Do the math. I'm done with this, but I uh, that's my conspiracy theory about the Chicago Bears. Guys, that's all I have. Thank you so very much. I really appreciate it. Um... I love you. I appreciate you. I hope you have a great day. I'm going to the beach. Going to go rest a little bit. Watch football today, tonight, tomorrow. Uh, have a great day. Ba-dum-bum. Bam. We are done.